Well, good morning, everyone. And I'm glad each one of you are here. And we are in Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4. A few announcements. Our adult dinner night has been moved, and it's going to be Tuesday, September 20th. Tuesday, September 20th at Jammers. What? What did I say? Uh, let's try October. A little tired. <laughs> okay, we'll try. Um, actually, I have um, September on here. Isn't that stupid of me? October uh, 20th at Jammers. And uh, also, we'll be resuming our Bible study, not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday. And um, so, anyway, um, our daughter came in last night, as probably most of you know, we've been praying and. Um, she arrived, and, and we sat over at our house. Frank, of course, drove Vi and I. We don't drive at night anymore. Well, we do, but everybody hates it. But, and uh, we probably were up until almost uh, 1 in the morning. So I'm a little... It was a blessing, though. I keep praying for Stacy, And uh, the kind of cancer she has is, um, with the treatment, has a very high... A chance of, of complete remission. So just keep her uh, in prayer for, for that as well. And also pray for the rest of her family. They are driving all of their furnishings and everything in. And it's a 48-hour drive, and they haven't stopped. They have two drivers in each car. One sleeps, one drives, and they've just been driving through. So keep them in prayer as well. And um, I think that's the only... Uh, other announcement that I have to make, so let's pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, <clears throat> and I thank you so much for this opportunity to gather together as a church family, and I pray, Lord, that you would uh, just take your word and, and make it alive to us and help us to realize that to stand on your word is the only solid ground any person can stand on. And I ask, Father, that you would use me to minister to these your precious people, that I would not be sharing my words but yours, not my ideas but yours, Lord, because only you can give us what our hearts really long for, and that is peace that comes from knowing the living God. So now come, Lord, and minister to us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now I want to share one thing with you that's kind of an answer to, to prayer. Well, one of the things that was interesting is uh, Mackenzie, you know, our granddaughter, she texted us. She said, You'll never guess who's traveling with us, who's on the same plane. And so we're thinking, you know, maybe Amir Sarfati, you know, the president, I don't know. And it was Bethany Kozachuk <laughs> was, was on the same flight. But anyway, Mackenzie contacted us at one point. She's, they're connecting flight in Detroit. And she said, we're late. Our plane, you know, has arrived 30 minutes late. There's two planes ahead of us to get up to the dock. And so when they got off, the guy that was pushing Stacy's wheelchair said, you're, you're not going to make the flight. You're not going to make the flight. You're too late. They're ready to... So they literally sprinted, ran up to the new gate. And what had happened is they couldn't defog the windows on the plane. <laughs> so they delayed you know, the boarding. So they were able to get right on there. And of course, my son Frank said, well, how the Lord was answering, answering prayer is an angel was outside the plane going, ah. <laughs> But anyway, they're here safe and sound. 
You know, um, I'm always recommending books, and I, I, I am reading The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozier, and it's probably the fourth time I've read it. And I really, really encourage you to read it. It's all about the attributes of God. And A.W. Tozier has such a way of explaining the attributes of God that it's just, it's just absolutely mind-blowing. It's a, it's a great book. And um, now, starting off in relationship to our portion this morning, I really want to encourage all believers not to put too much stock in politics or any part of this world system. Our salvation and God's ability to fulfill his word has nothing to do with who is or who isn't in office or what nation is the most powerful. Brothers and sisters, I would encourage each of you to stand on the word of God alone. Even if this nation continues to change drastically from the Judeo-Christian you know, morality that we started with, it doesn't mean God has somehow lost control or is, in, is hindered in any way. Everything that is happening is according to God's perfect will. We need to understand that. In Psalm 33, 12, it says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people who he has chosen as his own inheritance. And so when a nation, even if maybe, maybe we wouldn't consider ourselves fully a Christian nation, but a nation that was based on Christian values, who looked at God. I mean, when most of us that are my age, we can remember saying the Lord's Prayer every single morning, standing up saying the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag every single morning in public school. And I think that this nation has moved away from the Lord being its God. And so many of the things were happening shouldn't be surprising to us. And that's one of the things we're going to be looking at this morning in, in the warning that God gives Israel through Moses. But in so many ways, our nation has turned to Baal Peor, which we'll be understanding when we read this portion of Scripture. We'll be getting into that. And it's amazing the way our nation has changed. Today, do you know what today is? What's, what's today? Huh? It's Sunday, but what, what day of the month? What is it? October 11th? Okay. And you know what today is? National Coming Out Day. It's an actual day. And the whole point that I'm making is we like to think of ourselves as being a Christian nation, but in so many ways we spit in the face of God. The fact is, sin is sin. You understand what I'm saying? It'd be like having National Fornication Day or National you know, uh, Drug Day, or whatever. The fact is, we can't spit in the face of God and expect the same kind of blessings that we've always had in the past. Now, having said that, it doesn't mean that God's blessing isn't on the individual. Even in the worst stages of Israel's history, God had his people, and God blessed his people, and used his people in doing the work of ministry. And so we have to understand that we need to come to that place where we're fully committed to the Lord. Now, my job as a pastor, of course, isn't to teach you 
moral issues and doctrines and dogmas that you should be following and how you should live your life. That's not my responsibility as a pastor. My responsibility as a pastor is to teach you the Word of God that the Holy Spirit might take that Word and implant it in your heart in such a way that you are able to live for the Lord. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but you understand time is a creation. In the beginning, God created. Time is a creation. God does not live in the sphere of time. He lives outside of time. God has no form that we can describe him. He is so far beyond us that we can't even put it in words. And yet, you and I live in this time continuum in our body. We base everything, think about this, in our life, we base everything on time. You know, when we were born, where we went to elementary school, junior high school, then where we went to high school, then where we went to college, then we met our spouse, then we got married, and we had our first child. Everything is based on time. When our first grandchild was born, everything's based on time. But guess what? Time runs out for everyone. So when time runs out for you, does that mean you no longer exist? No. The physical body is the only material possession that we have, but we're also soul and spirit, which is immaterial. It's eternal. It can't be gone. And the soul is interesting because the soul is who you are. It's your person. It's your identity. It's your self-identity. Like, when you look at your body in the mirror, and as you get older, you hate that even more and more, but anyways, you look at your body in the mirror, you don't look and say, there I am. No, that's just your physical body. Who you are is in here. Your personality, your thoughts, your likes, your dislikes, you know, your passions, your loves. That's your soul. It's your self-identity. And the wonderful thing is that the soul is immaterial. So who you are as an individual is never lost even when we go to be with the Lord. You'll still be you. You'll know. You're not going to be up there like in heaven saying, who am I? You're going to know who you are. Because self-identity is so important for us to be able to worship the Lord. I'm not worshiping the Lord for someone else in heaven. I'm going to be worshiping the Lord personally. And then we have our spirit. That's the other immaterial part. We're three you know, part beings, body, soul, and spirit. And our spirit, which is quick in Scripture says, are made alive when we come to Jesus Christ, allows us to have intimate fellowship with the Lord. You know how wonderful that is, to have intimate fellowship with the Lord, to be able to be in communion with him? And those of you who have had your private times, it usually doesn't happen that often in communal worship. Sometimes it does. But when you have those private times with the Lord, man, you just feel his presence. You just know he's there. And you have that communion. It's just an awesome thing. And so my responsibility then here in the flesh is to teach you the word of God that it might nourish you spirit and soul. Now, in this portion, in Deuteronomy 4, and uh, I'm going to be covering verses 1 through 14, and the, the Lord through Moses is giving the children of Israel a great warning. O Israel, listen to the statutes and judgments, judgments which I teach you to observe that you may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord your God of your fathers has given you. And that was the promised land, going into Canaan. Verse 2. 
You shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor, for the Lord your God destroyed from among you all the men who follow Baal Peor. So to follow a false god, to follow a false philosophy of life is serious. It's dangerous. Verse 4, but you who held fast to the Lord your God are alive today, every one of you. Surely I have taught you statutes and judgments just as the Lord my God commanded me that you should act according to them in the land which you go to possess, the promised land. Therefore, be careful to observe them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Verse 7, for what great nation is there that has God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us? For whatever reason, we may call upon him. Anything we want to call upon him, he's there. And what great nation is there that has such statutes and righteous judgments as are in this law, which I set before you this day? Only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself, lest you forget the teachings your eyes have seen, and lest you depart from your heart all the days of your life. And teach them to your children, and listen, and your grandchildren, especially concerning the day you stood before the Lord your God in Horeb, when the Lord said to me, gather the people to me, and I will let them hear my voice, that they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth, and that they may teach their children. Then you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire to the midst of heaven, and, and uh, with darkness, cloud and thick darkness. And the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of the words, but saw no form. It's important. You only heard a voice. So he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, the Ten Commandments. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone. And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and judgments that you might observe them in the land which you cross over to possess. So the only assurance that any of us have in this life is the word of God and the statutes and promises that it makes. It's the only promise any of us has. None of us knows if we have tomorrow. Did you know that? I mean... It could be some disease, it could be some illness, it could be a heart attack, whatever it might be. It could be a car accident. None of us have assurance of tomorrow. But the one thing that as believers we have assurance of is we never die. What a beautiful thing to know. We never die as believers. You'll never have, not even for a microsecond, will you lose conscious awareness of who you are in Jesus Christ. What a blessing that is. And so... We have to stand not only on certain portions of God's word, but all of God's word. You know, and, and there are some churches, and I'm not being critical of them, that they seem to teach just certain doctrines and certain philosophies and certain, you know, uh, uh, beliefs that they have, but they don't cover the full entire word of God. 
the reality is it's not up to me as a pastor or up to a board to determine that I should only teach on certain portions of Scripture. Pastor Frank and I, our responsibility is to teach the whole counsel of God, the entire Word of God, from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation. And people say, how can you do that? Doesn't it get boring? No. How long does it take you to go through the Bible? I don't know, eight, ten years? No, it does. Pastor Frank Jr. has been here, what, ten years? Started your 11th year. And and people think, well, when you're, don't you get tired of the Old Testament? Because when you're in the Old Testament, you're also in the New Testament. Is all the proof text that what God had promised has occurred. And when you're in the New Testament, you're going back to the Old Testament to give the prophecies of what you're reading about. So you're always in the whole Bible. But to go right through the Bible is a wonderful thing. And brothers and sisters, if this puts you on a guilt trip, what I'm going to say, okay? Good. <laughs> You should be reading through the Bible on a regular basis. There's so many ways you can do it. You can get reading plans on, you know, online. You can get a the one. You can go to your uh, local store, Christian bookstore, or you can go online and you can get uh, a daily reading Bible that takes you through the Bible in a year. You can get a chronological order Bible. So rather than just being broken down by the books, it's broken down by chronology. I mean, the whole Bible's there. Read through the Bible. It is the word of God. It's a lamp to our feet. It is truly the manna for our soul's nourishment. We have to be in the word of God. So that's why we don't stand on just certain portions of scripture. We stand on the full word of God. You know, it's funny. I have Haley's Bible handbook. It goes back to the 1800s. And uh, Haley's Bible handbook is, is an awesome book. Um, and you have to get the pre-1952 one to get the original Haley's Bible Handbook. But there's a chapter in Haley's Bible Handbook. I know I've shared this with you before, but just smile like I have never shared it. Okay? But I know I've shared this with you before. There's a chapter in Haley's Bible Handbook. The name of the chapter is actually the most important chapter in this book. That's the name of the chapter. The most important chapter in this book. And that chapter is all about systematic expositional preaching. Going right through the Word of God, from Genesis to Revelation. And boy, when I read that chapter, I thought I have been remiss, you know, doing topical preaching and going from this book to that book and all over the place. But to go orderly right through the Bible is just God's way. It's God's way. In Revelation 22, in fact, you can turn there. That's easy to find. Just go to the very last book of the Bible. Go to the very last chapter of the Bible. Revelation 22, and go to verse 18. Revelation 22, 18. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. Now, you have to understand, that is not just talking about the book of Revelation. The word there for book in the Greek is biblion. The same word we get Bible from. So he's talking about the, the, you know, the things that are taking place in Revelation are based on the entire Bible, the in, Biblion, the entire Bible. So I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, their own doctrines, their own words, their own philosophies, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. 
And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part in the book of life from the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. See, we have to understand we can't add anything or take anything away from the Bible. You know, you have all these, um, I mean, some of them are awesome, okay? I don't want anyone to feel guilty or like, oh, boy, I really, but every once in a while people will say, oh, pastor, you got to watch this, you got to watch this. And it's almost like a Christian conspiracy thing. All these weird thoughts and ideas and, you know, that are going on and, and, and really what it is is there's the, this angel that's doing this and, and all this is going on. You know, I don't need to concern myself about any of that. All I need to do is study the Word of God and stand on that alone and allow the Holy Spirit to work His will and purpose in my life. See, that's the wonderful thing about our Lord God and Savior. He is so the immutability of he's so immense we we can't even fathom who god is we try to describe god in human terms and that's what he created the creation can't describe the creator there's no way we can do it he's so far beyond us and so we have to understand what he's given us is his word that allows us to have an understanding, an understanding of who he is. And through that channel, we can worship him and praise him. But there's going to be one day that we're going to leave this time-space continuum. Do you know that? It's either going to be at death or the rapture. We're going to leave this. And we're going to have glorified bodies, as Jesus did when he was raised from the dead. Then we're going to be with the Lord, and it's going to be, going to be very different than it is now. You're not going to be wearing a watch. Hey, I wonder what time it is. <laughs> There's not going to be any time. It's going to be absolutely amazing. Well, how are we going to function? Well, you're still going to be you. You're still going to, you're going to be praising the Lord, but I guarantee you, you're not going to be worried about a thing except praising and loving Jesus and praising and loving the God who saved us. It's amazing. Now, the Lord reminded them... Um, what he did to the worshipers of Baal Peor. These were Jews that literally turned from Yahweh, Jehovah, the living God, to worship a pagan, brute idol. They turned from it. And God brought judgment on them, and they perished. But as we read here, those that did not turn from the Lord, he spared. Now, there was no form at the time that the scriptures were written, the time the Bible was written, there was no form um, on the face of the earth at this time, no form, there was no God, there was no worship on the face of the earth that wasn't base and brutal. You had worship that was based on kind of hero worship, like all your Greek mythology. And what were they? Just human beings with extra power, extra strength, but they were just human beings. And then you had, even with uh, the Egyptians, you know, they had a lot of animal worship and sometimes part animal and, and, and part human. But all of these idols demanded blood from the people, demanded pagan worship in ways I won't even mention. That was part of their, what they called worship. None of it was, was, was anything but brutal. But then God came on the scene. Because we have to understand, Pastor Frank, 
we'll be picking this up in the next service. But in Deuteronomy seven, or Deuteronomy four seventeen through eighteen, and uh, Deuteronomy verse nineteen, God forbids the worship of these idols, including the sun and the moon, you know, the constellation kind of, you know, worship. Now, this is why we're told, uh, although they heard the voice of God, remember that portion we read. Although they heard the voice of God, they saw no form. You know why they didn't see any form? Because God, you can't put him in a form. Because if you could, you'd make an idol out of him. And any person who tries to put God in their own description is practicing idolatry. You can't put God in your own words because you're limiting the limitless God. You follow what I'm saying? He is so immense. But God has given us all we need to know about him from his word. His word teaches us of our fallen state, right? His word teaches us of our desperate need. And his word gives us the loving solution to that need. You see, anyone, it's so interesting that people think that Christianity is the um, religion of the ignorant and the fool. Nothing could be further from the truth. So Francis Bacon, who's the author of the scientific method, was a, was a Bible believer. And um, the, the thing you have to realize is that this is the only thing that makes sense. The word of God is the only thing. And so when we look and we, we all of us innately, I, I believe, within us know there's something wrong. There is. I remember before I, I got saved and I was, I was uh, teaching school at the time, I was a science teacher at Horseheads High School, if any of you know where that is. And um, anyway, I was uh, a science teacher there and uh, we had what was supposed to be the perfect life. You know, Vi and I built a nice house in the country. <clears throat> we had 2.3 kids, and uh, that was the average at that time. But anyway, we had two children, you know, Pastor Frank Jr. and his sister, and we had a great life. We're out in the country. We used to take walks along the river every night. I pulled the kids, and I, I couldn't tell you how many times on a Saturday I would stand in front of our picture window in the house, and I'd be looking out, and I'd be thinking, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? I have everything I'd ever longed for. You know, I had an education. I was the first person in my family to graduate from high school. I had an education. I had a, a, a wife that loved me. I had a, a nice house we'd built. I had two children. We lived in the country. I had everything. In fact, that's where Frank was very first introduced into dirt bikes. Believe it or not, the old man had one. It was on off the road one. He said, take him along the river. Remember that? He sat, he sat in the front on the gas tank and held on to the bar, and I rode him all, drove him all through along. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, I stand here. I had all this, and I'm looking out the window, and I actually would say, what's wrong with me? Because I was empty. There was something that was missing. And what it was is that I knew within my own heart and soul that I was lost. I knew that there was something much more than this life. I mean, this life is fragile. Do you ever realize how fragile human life is? If that's all there was, how empty it would be. You might as well eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. But the reality is that there is something beyond this life. 
and the fragility of this life should cause us to open our eyes to the need for eternal life and to the eternal promises of God. So we have to understand that when Adam fell, and he fell, you know, we have to put his word in our heart, okay? I, I'm just regressing back a little bit. Your thoughts, your, your philosophies, and your beliefs mean nothing. The only thing that means anything is the word of God. When Adam fell, his lost condition was not resolved by figuring it out or trying to be a better man. It was resolved by the grace and mercy of God who killed an animal, shed blood, and covered him with an animal skin. Sin was covered by blood right from the very beginning. No man can figure out you know, we're talking about salvation. No man can figure it out, work it out, or believe it out. It can only be received by the mighty hand of God. And you think about how the Lord expressed his unconditional love to us. One hand reaching into eternity and the other hand reaching into humanity. And he bridged that gap. And he made the way that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be. And that is, in the Greek, it's, it's a definite tense. In other words, it's not, yeah, you might be. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's definite. Nothing you have to worry about possibly being wrong or, or maybe partway. It's definite if you call upon the, way of the, the name of the Lord. Now, God's salvation came to us when we saw our need. You know? And people see their need in many different ways. You know, sometimes it's uh, emotional, sometimes it's physical, sometimes it might be economic, whatever. People see their need, you know, oh, what's wrong with me? They see their need. And that is the first stage, the first step we take towards God is when we see our need. And um, anyone who, un you know, fails to understand that we all have a need, I still have need. You know, it'd be wonderful to say, well, you know, 47 years ago when I came to Jesus Christ, it was a wonderful day. I haven't committed a sin since then. <laughs> but that's not the case. I need the Lord every bit today as the day I confessed him as my Lord and Savior. I need his mercy and grace every morning. That's why scripture tells us his mercy and grace is new every morning. Every day I wake up and I thank God for my salvation and for the fact that my salvation is maintained not on my own efforts. Otherwise, I'd be really frightened. He holds my salvation in the palm of his hand, so I have nothing to worry about. And also in this portion is telling us the importance of not neglecting family devotions. Because when we neglect to teach our children, to teach our grandchildren, we have to understand that it is not only at our peril, but theirs. God doesn't have grandchildren. We do. God doesn't have grandchildren. No one is going to heaven on their parents' shirt tails. And we always knew that. And, and we told our children, you know, you're not going to, to heaven because your father's a pastor. No more than going to McDonald's makes you a cheeseburger. That's an old joke, but... Anyway, it's true. I mean, we knew that. 
And so we prayed that our children would come to a place where they, on their own, would commit their life to Jesus Christ. And Frank's close. Man, I'll tell you, he's... <laughs> and what a wonderful day it was. Frank actually made his first commitment kneeling in front of a record player, if you know what those are, listening to a, a children's, uh, gospel, children's you know, album. And at the end, they had a prayer. And he was three years old. And Vi and I heard him. We looked out in the hallway, and he was kneeling down with his hands folded at three and praying the prayer of salvation. And then at 16, he really made a more firm commitment to the Lord. It was interesting. So we have to realize that um, we go to heaven because we are children of God. Not grandchildren. We're children of God, every single one of us. If people don't know the word of God... It is like going into fierce battle without weapons or any kind of armor. You know, when I was in the Army, it was in the 60s. That's a lot of you are thinking, wow, that's a long time ago. Did they still ride horses? Uh, you know, but when I, when I was in the Army, first thing we did is we went to basic training. In, th in those days, basic training, just basic training was 10 weeks. And you're thinking... What are we doing all this for? You know, they start off with all the marching and cadence and all these kinds of disciplines. You know, what does that have to do? You're not going to walk out into battle. You know, you know what I mean? What is, it was discipline. It was discipline, teaching us discipline, teaching us to obey commands and orders. But then after that, we went to the firing range. We were taught hand-to-hand -hand combat. We were taught how to use, you know, our, not only our rifle, but our hand weapon, our sidearm. And, and we were taught, you know, how, we were taught a lot of things. You, when you go from, you know, basic training to AIT, and you're being taught all these things. Because we were being prepared for war. And if you just went into battle with no preparation, you didn't know how to follow orders, you didn't know how to use your weapon, think of how helpless you would be. In the same way, the Lord wants to prepare us for the battles of life. He wants to teach us how to obey orders. He wants to teach us how to wield the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. He wants to teach us how to have courage standing together in the face of all the idolatry and all the paganism in this world. Because, brothers and sisters, if you don't realize there's a battle going on, your eyes are closed. Scripture promises in the last days darkness would come. And darkness has come. And it's overshadowed this world and it's overshadowed this nation. But listen carefully to what I'm saying. That doesn't mean that we just go, oh, I might as well give up. No, when the darkness comes, our light needs to shine brighter. When darkness comes, we need to have the sword of the Spirit sharpened and hewn to a fine edge. We need to be the light of the world, shining the goodness of God to everyone around us. Do you understand how many people around us are lost? If you hate any group of people, the love of God is not in you. The group of people we hate should be the very ones we desire to minister to. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's only two kinds of people in the world, believers and those who need to become believers. And it's up to us 
to live that kind of life. I love where it says in Matthew 5.16, Matthew 5.16, Let your light shine, so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen. We had someone a number of years ago gave us a long, beautifully uh, wooden you know, sign, all calligraphy engraved. <laughs> I couldn't say it. And it says, uh, live in such a way that people who know you but don't know God will come to know God because they know you. Do we live that kind of life? I mean, our most important responsibility, you know, we might think that our, our actual job, our you know, physical job we do, is so important. It is so second to our most important job, and that's to be his witness in the world. We're living in a world that's just decaying. And the Bible says that you and I are going to be taken out of this world. Pray that you're counted worthy to escape all the things that are coming upon the face of the whole earth. You know, God is going to be coming for his church. But until he comes, you and I should be sharing the gospel as hard as we can. Because one of the things I've shared with you before, and I believe it with all my heart, I really do. I believe that the greatest revival this world has seen will happen after the rapture. Because of the seeds we've planted. Because we tell people the gospel of Jesus Christ. We tell them the promise we have of being raptured and taken out of the world. And they might think we're insane. But when we're gone, they're going to be thinking, wow, maybe they were right. And they're going to start looking into God's word. And I, Well, we know that there's going to be such a great revival during the tribulation that the Antichrist has to have a way of marking them that he might put them to death or actually not marking them, that he might put them to death. It's amazing. And yet you and I, as feeble human beings, God has given this responsibility to. Because we might be feeble, feeble but the Holy Spirit dwelling within us is all-powerful. And you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And I, you all know that the Greek word for power there is dunamis, the same word we get dynamite from it means the ability to do so you shall receive the ability to do whatever god wants you to do you'll receive that ability when the holy spirit he the holy spirit comes upon you wow what a wonderful thing if we would just wait for the spirit to lead us and move us in everything we did you know i remember one time uh, when uh, i i was in I, I was in training in the military. I won't tell you what it was. And I remember the uh, instructor said to me, he said, Thomas, your problem is you think. <laughs> Stop thinking and just do what you're told. <laughs> well, why? You know, no, you just do, do what you're told. And so we have to realize that God just wants us to be obedient to his spirit. Just do what we're told. You know, he's given us one responsibility Therefore, go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all things I've commanded. Pretty simple marching orders, isn't it? Well, let's follow it. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and we thank you for your word and 
for the way you spoke to the children of Israel and how it still speaks to us today. And I ask, Heavenly Father, that you would take the things that I've shared and, and by your Holy Spirit apply it to the hearts of all people that are here. And Lord, also be preparing our hearts for the next service when Pastor Frank Jr. comes up and shares. And Lord, we pray that you would not only dismiss us with your blessing, but dismiss us with your commission to be soul winners. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for being here.